0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Man, how cool is that, right? Can we applaud that? My goodness, that's fantastic, fantastic. I'm so glad that you're here today because today we're in part four of our message series called Drift, and we've been talking about the things that can cause us to drift away from Christ. and we've talked about you know, things like when we look to anything in this world other than Jesus for guidance, we drift. When we place rules and religion over a relationship with Jesus, we drift. When we fail to offer other people grace and instead just you know, give them our judgment, we drift. And today, we come to a source of drift that Jesus specifically calls out. And when he's talking to his disciples, he's like, hey guys, pay attention. This is a big source of drift, so don't miss it. So let's look at what Jesus says. So go ahead and pull out your message Let's just jump right in. Here's what Jesus specifically names as a major source of drift. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, no servant can serve two masters now pause right there for just a second at this stage man all of his followers like they're tracking with what he's saying because Jesus has just finished teaching about a slave who was dishonest with his master's money and so like they live in a culture where like there's slaves everywhere so like they really understand this slave master relationship so here's what he says he says either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, Jesus specifically names money as a source of drift. You know what? Like, we all know He's right. Like, we all intuitively know that a love for money can draw us away from a love for God. But, now we rarely think it actually happens to us, okay? I mean it happens to other people, but we are the exception. Well, let me tell you how it happened to me. See, I grew up in a home where like my parents like they always took me to church and so like I've heard ever since I was a little kid that, you know, you're supposed to give God back some of what you make. And so literally ever since my very first allowance, my parents taught me that I'm supposed to give God of whatever I get. And I've always done that. And that's called a tithe. T-I-T-H-E. That's a biblical word that just simply means first tenth. So ever since I was a little kid, I've always given God 10% of everything I've ever made. In fact, when I got my very first job, I sat down with my paycheck and I like, figured out what 10% is, I mean, you know, before taxes, figured it out literally down to the penny. Because, you know, like, I didn't want to cheat God, not even one penny. And if it was ever a partial penny, like, I always rounded up. I mean, I wanted to be generous and all, right? So, anyway, so, now, here is where I drifted. After years of calculating it down to the penny, and there's actually nothing wrong with that. I, I still do that. But after years of calculating it down to the penny, something went wrong inside my heart. Because whenever um, a, an opportunity came to give extra, or there was a fundraiser, you know, or there was someone in need, or you know something like that was an opportunity to give, my thinking went like this. You know what, I've already given God everything I owe him. I don't owe him any more. So I don't need to give to anything else. And so you know what, I didn't give to anything else, ever, because I'd already given God what I owed him, so now the rest was mine. And I could do with it whatever it is that I wanted to do with it. And so, look, here's the thing. I was obeying God, but my heart was drifting away. I I thought I was serving one master, but the truth is, this other master was slowly drawing my heart farther and farther away. So here's what happened. Um, Several years ago, actually many years ago now, I was just... I was just praying and reading my Bible, and in that moment, God let me see the true condition of my heart, and, I, and he told me that he wanted to change my heart, and so, um, and so in that moment, here's what God said, he, how he wanted to change my heart. He said, I want you to give a percentage of your income that is greater than 10%. Now, when he did that, it was like literally in that moment, that's when I actually realized how far I had drifted because then I started talking to God. I'm like, whoa, God, like that's kind of big. Like how about we back that down a little bit? How about like this percent right down here? And I'm not gonna tell you what that percentage, what the percentage is that he told me to give because I don't want anybody to feel like they've got to do that. That's just between me and God. But I started negotiating with God. I'm like, God, how about like down here? And see, (laughs) We know that we've drifted, and we know that God is like really working on us when we start negotiating with God. Because whenever we start negotiating with God, all that means is that God is pushing on a place in our heart that's not fully yielded to him. So, anyway, so I yielded, and I did exactly what God said, and I'm telling you, it changed the condition of my heart. Changed me. Look, it's no surprise that money can cause us to drift away. I mean, look, we don't even need a Bible verse to tell us that. Okay, and by the way, if you're sitting here thinking like, "Oh, great, we came to church on the days talking about money. Oh, this is just fantastic," look, let me just let me just go ahead and put your mind at ease. Okay, today we're not actually talking about money. The truth is, we're really talking about control. Because Jesus doesn't say the issue is really money. Jesus says the issue is that there's two masters warring for control of your heart. And money is just a measure of what is in control of your heart. That's it. So it's just an indicator of who your master really is. And look, here's the thing. If talking about money makes us feel uncomfortable, (laughs) that means that God's pushing on a place in our heart that we haven't fully yielded to him just yet. And now look, don't worry, We're, when we get to the end, I'm not gonna you know, try to you know, play to your emotions and try to get you to give by you know, like showing you sad pictures of little puppies behind bars to make you listen to a Sarah McLachlan song, okay? Yeah, some of you remember that. So, and when we get to, I'm not gonna try to manipulate you by saying, you know what, you know what, if you'll give God a dollar, he'll give you 10 back, okay? First off, that's not even true. And if someone, if you ever hear someone say that, run, like run away, because you know what, that person doesn't even believe it's true, because if they did believe it's true, they would not need to ask you for money, because they would keep giving God money, 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 and be getting exponential returns back, and so they wouldn't even need to ask you for anything. So even they don't believe it's true. So. I mean, all of that kind of thing is just so ridiculous. So let's look at one of the most amazing stories in the entire New Testament. Um, And now, this is not an encounter that Jesus had with someone. In fact, the person in the story doesn't even realize Jesus is there. But through this story, we can learn how God can set an anchor so deep in our hearts when it comes to money that it would never cause us to drift, ever. So, let's read. In Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, here's what happens. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Okay, now, hold on. Like, isn't it interesting that Jesus just parks himself at a place where not only could see, not only where he could see that people were giving, but he could see what people were giving. I know, that's like, awkward, right? Okay, so here here he goes, many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow, okay, now, I want you to notice that she's a widow. That means that she has no husband that's looking out for her, providing for her. And remember, in this culture, women had no rights. They had no means to provide for themselves. And so this is just what it was. And it also seems that unlikely that she has adult children that are providing for her because she's alone and she's extremely impoverished. So it, it seems like there's no adult children that are helping her. Anyway, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Okay, now, are you you getting the scene of what's going on here? Okay, look, they're at the temple, okay? And Jesus and the disciples, like, they're sitting down, but they're sitting so close where people are putting money in the treasury. Like, they can see not only that people are giving, but they can see what they're giving. And it's not like Jesus is, like, passing judgment in this passage on these people who are dropping stuff in the place. It's not like he's sitting there going, Psh, selfish, <laughs> greedy, jerk face. I mean, he's not saying any of those kinds of things in this moment, okay? But, but, when this poor widow got to the place where she was about to give. I like to think that Jesus was like, hey, 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 guys, 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 look, watch this, look at this, look, look what's about to happen. And I, I like to think that in that moment, probably that Jesus and all the disciples, they stood up out of a sense of respect of what this woman was gonna do. And then she drops in her two little coins that in modern day amount to less than a penny. Now, I'm sure, and then then Jesus says, you know, she has given more than all the rest. And I'm sure the disciples in that moment were like, no, she didn't. (laughs) I'm sure that they were thinking, she didn't. I mean, we saw it. I mean, she just dropped in two little coins. I mean, not even a penny. So, like, she didn't give more than all this. But now, I think they were only thinking that because the disciples about this time had figured out if they say that kind of stuff out loud, that Jesus is about to say something to make them look really stupid. So like they they kind of keep that to themselves. But I'm sure that they were thinking like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And so then Jesus drops the bomb. He says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, gave everything, all she had to live on. So what does this story tell me to do to prevent drift that's caused by money? Well, three things. Here's the first, want going gonna write this down, okay? The first thing is that I need to put all my finances in God's hands. I need to put all my finances in God's hands, okay? Think about this, okay? This lady put in everything she had. Now, in the first century, there was no social security. All right. Now, if things keep going, there won't be in this century either, but <laughs> doesn't matter. In that century, there was no social security, okay? There were no government programs, okay? There was no fallback. There was no other means for this. Lady. She, literally, she put in everything she had, and there was no fallback plan. That's what she did. She literally put all her finances in God's hands. Let me ask you this. Have you ever given God all your money? I mean, literally, have you ever given God, like, all your money? Like, given him everything? I mean, I I never have. I've never given him literally everything. And I don't actually think that that's the point of this story, that that's what this encounter is wanting us to do. But here's what I think God is asking. He's asking you and I to give him control of all of our finances. When he says put our finances in his hands, he wants us to give him control of all our finances, all of it. See, that was my problem. Like I gave God 10%, but the rest was mine. But that's not what God says. He says, "I provide all of it. All of it comes from me, so you give me control of all of it." Now, have you done that? Have you put all your finances in God's hands? And what I mean by that is, have you actually told God that he is in control of all of your finances? Have you ever prayed, God, I give you all of my finances? Have you ever prayed that before? Ever done it? And it seems like such an irrational thing because, you know, we're we're in a slumping economy. Oil is under $30 a barrel. We're in an election year, so the future is very uncertain. So it is totally an irrational thing to pray that. In fact, in this sort of environment, we don't want to give up control. Like We want to take control. We want to grab control over everything. But it's in this sort of an environment that God says to you this morning, He's inviting you and I to pray a very irrational prayer. God, I put all my finances in your hands. I mean, that's it. Would you be willing to pray something like that? And again, I don't think that means that you've got to give everything away. But I do think it means that you begin to follow God's instructions for your finances. And then when he says give, you give. And when he says don't take on any more debt, then you don't take on any more debt. That basically, you basically follow his direction. So would you be willing to pray that irrational prayer? God, I give you all of my finances I put all my finances in your hands that's it and I'm telling you when you do there is such a release of worry and anxiety and fear because it's not all up to you anymore it's not in your hands it's in his hands And look, when you put all your finances in God's hands, like that prevents drift because it puts you in a position where you are continually seeking God and trusting God and depending on God. Look, and this might not be a one and done type prayer. You might get into another place in your life where you find yourself taking control again and then you've got to pray it again. Like, God, I put all my finances in your hands again. And when we continually pray that, it prevents drift. Okay. Number two. Second big lesson we learn is this. Number two, that my faith, not the amount, is what matters. It's my faith, not the amount that matters. See, the, the thing that made Jesus sit up and take notice that day was not how much she put in the temple treasury. Okay? I mean, come on. It's not like God needed her money. All right? It's not like God even needed anybody else's money. But, because remember, money is not the issue. It was her faith. The amount of money didn't matter, but the amount of faith did. And See, this is where people get so messed up when it comes to money in church. They think that, you know, all the church wants is my money. Look, yes, there are a few churches out there where that is true, but unfortunately they give all the other churches a bad name. But the the vast majority of churches and pastors I know, they don't think like that. They preach and teach that God is far more interested in your heart than he is in your wallet. God is far more interested in your faith than he is in your money. Money is just a way to measure where your faith is, okay? The amount you and I give is a measure of the faith you and I have. That's what we need to remember. And, And look, that kind of thing and that kind of thinking is totally irrational because whenever we give, like, it is the amount that matters. I mean, when you and I give, like, all we think about is the amount. But Jesus says, that's not what God thinks about. God's thinking about your faith. I know there's some of you are like, well, you know what? That's actually pretty good news because since God doesn't really care about the amount and God really ha- cares only about my faith, then you know what? I'll have enough faith that somebody else will give that amount. Like, no, 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 no. That's... That's not how it goes, okay? That's why God asks you and I to be a percentage giver. Be a per- and that's why God asks you to give a percentage of your income to him. Because look, the amount doesn't matter because not all of us make the same amount. And so God asks you to trust him by giving a percentage of your income to him. Now, the Bible does say that God does want you to give 10% of your income to him. So look, be... A percentage giver. Now, the Bible does not say that, no, if you don't give 10%, then don't give it all. That's, that's not what the Bible says. So, look, if you can't, if you can start at 10%, you should. Because the Bible does say in Malachi chapter 3 that 10% is the threshold at which God starts to bless your finances. But if for some reason you can't start at 10, then start somewhere else and just move up. Start at 1%, 4%, 7%, and then work your way up. So whether the amount that it ends up being is big or small, you know what I mean? Who really really cares? What matters is that your faith in Jesus begins to grow because look, when you start trusting God with your finances, then your faith grows. And when your faith grows, that prevents drift. See all that's tied up together? Okay, one more, number three, here it is. I know that Jesus sees, that Jesus sees. Look, look, remember, Jesus, remember he parked himself right where he could see not just that people were giving, but he could also see what people were giving. But more than that, and you gotta get this from the story, more than that, Jesus could see people's situation in life. Like he knew that some people were giving out of you know, their abundance because they were rich. But he also knew that she was giving out of her poverty because she was poor. So Jesus could see into their situation in life. You know what? He could see into your situation too. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows your exact situation, and He knows what's coming down the road in the future. And it's in the midst of all of that, He asks you to trust Him. Hey, look, He asks you to trust Him in all areas of life, but especially with finances, because Jesus knows and says that finances can be a major source of drift. So not only does He see your situation, But he already has a way to provide for your situation in the future. Let me show you what I'm talking about. On February 13th, coming up in just a few weeks, February 13th at 9 a.m., we are partnering with another organization called Family Hope, and we are going to provide food for needy families that live in our area. Most people don't know this, but there are literally thousands of families within a stone's throw of both of our both parkway campuses that literally struggle to find food to eat you know every day or be able to afford it every day. Get this. God sees their situation. He knows their situation. And on February 13th, we're going to hand deli- we're going to deliver food to many of these families. And get this. They don't know we're coming. But yet, God has already provided us to meet their need. Jesus sees their need; He's already got planned out a way to provide and meet that need. And so, on that morning, we're going to gather together, and we're in, in Fulcher, sure, and we're going to pr- distribute food to these needy families. Look, and that's just one local mission project that we're doing. We've got more planned. We've got one planned every month between now and May. And it's gonna be fabulous. And I'm gonna give you a chance to sign up to be a part of that mission project when we get to the end of today. But the point is, is that Jesus sees your need just like he sees their need. He's already got means to provide for you. So just put your finances in his hands and trust him because he sees it. He knows it, okay? Now, one more closing thought for today. You might be sitting here thinking, Pastor Mike, like, this sounds crazy, Uh, that that I should all of a sudden start giving to God because some poor woman in the first century gave a couple of pennies and now Jesus sees I'm supposed to trust him? I mean, are you kidding me? No, I'm kidding you. That's, I have absolutely saying that you should trust him. Because look, for me, once I started following Christ with my finances, that changed the condition of my heart. It changed my life no I did not become rich but you know what becoming rich wasn't my goal my goal was to draw closer to Jesus and because of how he led me and I followed him I'm telling you that made all the difference and my life is much much richer because of it you know what and Look, there's hundreds of families in this church that would tell you the very same thing. They would tell you that the the first step to trusting Christ financially is actually to start trusting Christ spiritually. You see, it makes sense that someone would not trust Jesus with their money until they've trusted him with their eternity. You see, God sent Jesus to this earth to die on a cross so that his death could provide forgiveness for your sins, for my sins, literally for the sins of the whole world. And if you were to go your entire life without asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and put him in charge, then the Bible says that when you die, you would spend eternity separated from God, paying the consequences of those sins yourself. Okay? But, God, but that's not what God wants. And so he's provided the forgiveness for your sins, and now he just waits for you to accept that free gift and to put Jesus in charge of your life. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, then there's a, there's a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. I'm gonna give you a chance to pray that. In just a second, I'm gonna pray for all of us, and then while the band is playing this, their song, I want you to pray that prayer. Because for all of us, it would be really difficult to trust Jesus with your money until you've trusted him with your eternity. But once you trust him spiritually, then it's much easier to trust him Financially, So if you've never prayed that prayer, I want you to pray it as soon as I finish praying for all of us. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and let me pray for us all. Father, thank you so much for this encounter that this lady had, and she didn't even know that your son was watching. But I thank you for the truth of it nonetheless, and that you would help each one of us to surrender our finances to you and that would prevent us from drifting. And so I pray for those people that are listening today that are struggling, that are on the fence with this and I ask that you would help them fall down on your side of the fence to take that step of faith and say, okay God, I put all my finances in your hands and that you would help all of us fully surrender not just our finances but really every part of life to you because you are loving, and you are good, and you are God. And I ask you to do all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.